0: Well, Good morning. God bless you all. It's good to be back. Um, my wife and all my kids with me, all four of them, even the one that's married, uh, went up to Toronto this past week for a conference, uh, Three Streams Convergence, and Bill Johnson was there, Bill and Benny, from a uh, Bethel. Bill and Benny from Bethel. <laughs> and of course, there's, they're moving in revival and uh, traveling the world and, and just there's God's using that ministry to do amazing things. And then West Hall from International House of Prayer in Kansas City was there another major stream uh, of revival in the land. They're having just incredible Healing, signs and wonders, and thousands of people coming. And of course, Toronto has been a house of revival. That's, uh, we're affiliated with it, Toronto through the Partners in Harvest Association, uh, house of revival for almost 20 years. <clears throat> 18 years, 18th year of them moving in revival. So it's just an honor to be part of that. And, um, it was powerful. I'm not going to go into a lot, uh, of what we received, but it was great. <laughs> and, uh, uh, and just want to impart, Father, I pray a, a supernatural impartation. God, of all that we receive, Father, we just just pour it out on this body and let us continue to experience an increased measure of Your presence and what You're doing in the world today. Lord, we want to be a now church, a church in revival, a church at the, at the, on, the, on the cusp, right there at the edge of whatever You're doing. We just welcome You, Holy Spirit. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, we're talking about being filled uh, this month and the series about being filled. And um, next week, we're going to look in depth at being filled with the Holy Spirit and the Pentecost experience. Glory be to God. And uh, then the last week, we're actually going to talk about the wacky stuff. We're going to talk about manifestations. And uh, and what I mean by that is outward manifestations of that inward work of the Holy Spirit in us. And, and kind of trying to hopefully communicate... Some of the things that you may experience or maybe you've never experienced and maybe you don't want to experience. (laughs) Uh, So kind of give you a a good biblical grid for understanding that. But today we want to talk about this idea about being filled, particularly looking at um, uh, Psalm. We're going to begin with Psalm 23, verse 5 and 6. going to read it out of the New King James. It says, You prepare a table before me. Uh, this is a psalmist speaking of what God has done for him. You prepare a table before him, before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. My cup runs over. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life. And I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Wow. It's a very famous psalm and it's a promise that we can believe in. In the message, uh, it's translated this way. You serve me a six-course dinner right in front of my enemies. You revive my drooping head. My cup brims with blessing. Your beauty and love chase after me every day of my life. How many want that? The beauty and the love of God chasing you down. I'm back home in the house of God for the rest of my life. So what does this mean? What is this verse talking about? There's two aspects of the verse I want to highlight or talk about. One is the anointing and then the cup being filled. Because it's actually two different, connected but different things. The anointing was poured on someone. And in the Old Covenant, there was very uh, specific ingredients for the anointing oil. And they would use it to anoint the priests and the prophets and kings. And they would literally pour the oil. Not a little dab like we do today if we use oil to pray for someone. They would pour it on. It talks about uh, uh, the priest uh, having oil poured on and it dripping down his beards and down his garments. And so this being poured out. And that anointing, uh, the word Christ, Christos, in the Greek is actually the anointed one. All right? And it identifies the 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 chosen one the priests were selected by god to serve in his temple and the kings were selected and prophets were appointed selected by god all of that the, the act of anointing itself is an in, in doing of power but it's also uh, uh represents that the identity of the person that they are selected, they're unique, they're called into a place of relationship and function and office before God. And so the act of being anointed, and when the psalmist cries out, and we can say this prayer, we can believe it for ourselves that we are anointed, that you anoint my head. Okay, That this is an experience for each and every believer. We, we are to experience this because God is not a respecter of person. In faith, it's available for you and I to have that anointing that we are selected. We are the elect of God. We have been chosen in Him, alright, to be filled by Him, to be used by Him. We're, we're, and so that's that honor and that privilege and that unique calling. But it's something that's poured out, um, and it has to do with our identity and, 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 and then our cup is filled up. All right? And so, that speaks of ourselves on the inside. The anointing is on the outside, so we're really drenched with it. But we're also to be filled up inside with it to the point that it overflows. Okay, My cup runs over. Uh, it flows out. So much spiritual blessing and such an understanding of who we are in Him. Of what that anointing means. Of what it means to be anointed of God. To be in a relationship with God. That, that fills us in a very real way. Changes us and overflows us. So it changes not only us, it changes those around us. And even changes our environment and our community. So the idea is that we're cups. How many got my Facebook thing? Anybody get it? Hold up your cup. Did you, did you do it? Didn't How many saw my... Nobody saw my... Okay, hey, there were seven in first service, okay? So, <laughs> I said, bring your favorite cup uh, to church. It was late last night, so I, I didn't I didn't have the idea until late. There you go. <laughs> bring your favorite cup, because we're going to fill. We've got uh, apple cider in the back, because um, it's apple cider season. Amen? How many want thank God for that? Praise God. <laughs> All right, my cup runs over. Uh, and the idea in the psalms and the scripture, I was talking about a cup or a vessel, it's not just a cup. You know, God's going to overflow your cup. Your cup is your body, your being. And in uh, 2 Corinthians 4, 7, it says this very clearly. Paul says that we have this treasure, this, this gift of salvation and the gift of the Holy Spirit, in earthen vessels, speaking of our bodies. And we were made, and the Bible talks about in the creation story that we were fashioned out of the dust of the ground and, and formed by God and breathed life. So we are earthen vessels. We are cu- We are the cup. You are the cup. Okay? You are the cup. <laughs> you are the cup. <laughs> Be the cup. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> that the excellence of the power uh, maybe of God and not of us. So we're the vessel that contains what God wants to pour on us and fill us up and overflow. But we are vessels. Uh, Jesus speaks of the same idea in a negative example when he's talking to the scribes and the Pharisees. And the scribes and the Pharisees were, uh, divisions within the Jewish religion, uh, that were particular, that had particular ideas and beliefs. And he addresses them, he says, Woe to you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites! For you cleanse the outside of the cup and dish, but inside they are full of extortion and self-indulgence. Extortion, taking advantage of others, and self-indulgence. And he says, "Outside, you're nice and shiny, and outside everything's great. But inside, ooh, you ever go up and get a cup out of the shelf, have a coffee, or maybe a glass of milk, you pour in, and you go, ooh, somebody didn't wash the dishes. You know, what the heck is that? <laughs> oh, how many can relate? Yeah? Come on." Oh, just do the dishes right, you know. (laughs) Uh, Yeah, that's the idea. With the hypocrites, the scribes, and Pharisees, outside they look, they look, you know, they all they look good, but inside there was gunk, so that it spoiled. Their cups could not be filled because they had the gunk inside. Um, 1 Thessalonians four three through eight, Paul speaking to the church. It's really specific here. It says, This is the will of God. You want to know what the will of God is for your life? So many people, what's God's will for my life? What's God's will for my life? <clears throat> it's answered specifically in this verse. This is the will of God, your sanctification. And sanctification means being made clean, being all the gunk removed. And being set apart for the purposes of God, that you should abstain. And he goes and lists a few of the things. It's not a complete list. It's just a few things that were uh, pertinent to the church at the time, and are pertinent today. That you you should abstain from sexual immorality. That's any form of sexual immorality. That each of you should know. Listen, each of you should know how to possess his or her own vessel in sanctification and honor. What's your vessel? Your body. How are you to possess it? In sanctification, that means it's clean. It's pure. It's right before God. And in honor. You're stand with honor. Why? Because you know you're right before God. It's not your own doing. You stand before God. You, you walk with honor. Everything you do is motivated by honor. You honor others. You honor your body. You honor yourself, you honor God and you're clean. That's the will of God for your life. And that you each should know how to possess, how to keep, maintain your vessel, your body in sanctification and in honor. All right? Not in the passion of lust like the Gentiles who do not know God, that no one should take advantage of or defraud his brother in this way. So that we say not to take advantage of others through any form of misconduct, especially through sexual immorality, but through any form of fraud or extortion or self-indulgence. It says that no one should take advantage and defraud his or her brother in this matter because the Lord is the avenger of all such. God stands up for those who are taken advantage of. And we also forewarned you as we also forewarned you and testified. Paul's saying, I told you this before. Listen, for God did not call us to uncleanness, but in holiness. We have a calling. You're called up. There's this idea of, well, I've done things in the past. Clean the vessel. Wash it out so that you can receive. That's what God's interested in. So that you can be filled uh, um, Therefore, he who rejects this does not reject man, but God. In other words, if you don't get this, you're rejecting God. This is not my idea. It's God's idea who has also given us his Holy Spirit. So it's important. And let me, I just want to illustrate this kind of in a, in a way. Let's try this. This is a vessel. Boom. This is a vessel. This is a vessel. Another vessel. All right. So, um, I'm going to do it a little differently. So, we're to possess our vessel. Here's a congregation. Here's the church. Here's all the people. Open up the roof. Open up the doors. No. <clears throat> I didn't hear what he said. I don't want to hear it. <laughs> so, this is a vessel. We're supposed to be clean. And these are brand new, so they're clean. We can, uh, we can present ourselves. And this is what we're being called to, to be a vessel that's clean so that God can fill us with something Good. I only like apple cider. Yeah. So, oh, I didn't shake this. I like this. I like this. I'm going to get the stuff all mixed in. The pulp. Yeah, I like it well distributed. So, we're just going to, this is going to be the, ah, apple cider. That's great. Smells good. Mmm. Wow. Mmm. Man, fresh apple cider is fantastic. So, but you know, we don't always come with with empty cups. And, and sometimes we need to empty the cup out. We might have something like some dirt in our cup. All right? You know? Or there's <coughs> something really nasty. You know, something like, what could this represent? You know what this is? Is rat poison. Yeah. So what what would be a spiritual equivalent of poison? Huh? What? Unforgiveness. Bitterness. Yeah. Bitter. Okay. So, and, you know, and Jesus says, you know, you need to get that out of you so I can fill you up. Because even if I, you know, it's not that much. I like this one because you know what? You can't see it. You can't see it. (laughs) (laughs) Who would like a drink? It's great. Apple cider, fresh apple cider. Nobody wants to drink this apple cider. Or sometimes you know we we get we get cleaned out and God fills us up, but then sometimes we we might get somebody does something wrong and we get mad at them and we're angry or upset and and we just allow something that was pure just a little yeah, we'll just it's draino yeah, it cleans the drains out, yeah. Hey, that cleaned up. (laughs) Does anybody want to drink? Well, it's good apple cider. Well, there's just a little bit of the other stuff in there. It's okay. That's not very much. Really. When you taste it, it's just draining. Sometimes we can actually take something that's good. You know, chlorine is a really amazing chemical. Uh, it's changed the world. You don't know it. You don't, a lot of people don't realize, but it's just a little teeny bit. Okay. In there is is one of the best uh, germ killers there is. I'm going to dilute it a little more. And I just killed all the bacteria that's in that cup. I did. Okay. If you're ever out in the wilderness, you have some chlorine, but you don't have clean water. <laughs> Yeah, those like are Bear grills, you know. Yeah. And no clean water, but i got a jug of chlorine. <clears throat> Especially if you wait a few minutes because the chlorine, once diluted, evaporates very quickly. You can drink it. Mm-hmm. Oh, that was the one with rat poison. Darn. <clears throat> but... What would happen if I drank that? If I didn't have it in the right proportion... If I didn't have it in the right proportion, if I drank that, I'd be in the ER. My whole throat would be blistered, my uh, stomach would be blistered, and I could possibly even die. Well, we'll just add a little of God's goodness. Anyone want to drink? No. God says, make your vessels clean and keep them clean so that you can be filled with what He wants to fill you with, that you can benefit from it, and that those around you, so that it overflows. Now, there's there's the other way you can do it too, because you can add stuff that makes it better. Like I was like, Kathy, what can I add to apples that to make it better? It's just slices of oranges. Oh, what a great idea! I never knew that. So and it adds a little bit of a essence, a little flavor, I makes mean, it even better. And so you can add the fruit of the Spirit. <laughs> yeah, or you can, uh, you know, cinnamon sticks. Especially if it's heated. And you add that. You know, and you can add things that, that other things that God gives to enrich our lives and, and fill us up. So there's, there's good and bad. <clears throat> you can add And Do you know who's in control of your cup? You are. That's why He said to the Pharisees, woe to you. This is somebody else. You, woe to you. If, if your cup's got rat poison in it, it's your problem. It's not that God hasn't given. The goodness isn't available. Even even by dying on the cross, He's given us the power to remove all that stuff. Remove all of the uncleanliness. So that you can receive. And so that what comes in is not diluted with other stuff that are, is caustic and deadly or dirty. That's what it means to have be a vessel that's able to receive, to possess your be- vessel. And your vessel is your body. Your mind is part of your body. Your soul. But so is your skin and your mouth. Okay? I'm talking about your physical body and your being. It's all one, as I talked about earlier this year. And all of it is to be presented as a vessel to receive God. Now, there's a number of things that uh, uh, the Bible talks about. And I just picked this list out of a a, a Thompson reference Bible list of spiritual fullness. I thought, that's a good list. We'll just use those scriptures. And so there's things that God can add to your life if you present yourself a a vessel that's ready and prepared to receive. And one is material blessings. And uh, it's right there in Malachi 3, 8 through 10. This is the prophet speaking to God's people because they had they had not been living in the way God had told them and he says, "Will a man rob God? Yet you have robbed me." But you say, "In what way have we robbed you?" In tithes and offerings. You are cursed with a curse, for you have robbed me, even this whole nation. Bring all the tithes into the storehouse, that there may be food in my house, and try me now in this. This is one of the few places in Scripture that God actually says, I challenge you to test me in this. Do this and find out. It's a challenge. Uh, says the Lord of hosts, if I will not open for you the windows of heaven and pour out for you such blessing that there will not be room enough to receive it. That's God's promise. And sometimes we look and oh, a curse, but look at the promise. Look at the promise. The promise is if you do this, I'm going to pour out so much on you that you are going to have to figure out how to open up more bank accounts to put your money in and, and, and have more stuff that you just can't give it away fast enough. This is the promise of God. But the people of God back there didn't believe it, just like some people don't believe it now. And they don't give in the way that God has called us to give, and so they don't receive. Not because God doesn't want to give. He doesn't want any of His children to live in lack. To lack what they need. In fact, what the Scripture promises is that, that we would have, this is 2 Corinthians 9, 8-11, it says that God is able to make all grace abound toward you that you, always having all sufficiency in all things, in other words, you have all sufficiency, everything you need in every way, may have an abundance for every good work. So you have more than you need so that you can actually do good works. As it is written, He has dispersed abroad, He has given to the poor, His righteousness endures forever. Now may He who supplies seed to the sower and bread... For food, supply and multiply the seed you have sown. And the seed he has sown there, that is a reference, if you read the chapter, was the gift that these uh, uh, Corinthians had given to Paul's ministry. That's what he means by the seed that he, they had sown. Uh, and increase the f- um, fruits of your righteousness. While you are enriched, you want to be rich? God wants to enrich his people. He really does. In everything. Why? For all liberality. That means so that you can give away. So you can be free, not bound up out of fear, financial stress, but able to give and support and do the good work. God wants this. Uh, And that then causes thanksgiving through us to God. So that freedom to give because you've received abundantly uh, causes people to offer up thanksgiving to God. And there's this tremendous cycle of blessing and increase. That's God's desire. But there is a requirement. Just like there's a requirement to get rid of the filthy stuff in order to receive God's goodness, there's a requirement to give what God has called us to give. Tithes is a very easy word to understand. I was in a lawyer's office a number of years ago. He was not a Christian. We were going through some legal documents for the church. I was having them review to make sure we were all we had all of our stuff in order. (laughs) He stops at one point. He says, takes his glasses. He's sitting in this desk. He goes, well, wait a minute. Well, what is this um, thing you guys uh, you call, it's a uh, tithe? tithe? What is a tithe, anyway? He had no idea. He'd heard it. He knew it was associated with churches, but he didn't never know. I wish they wouldn't put tithe. You know, that's a <coughs> transliteration. They took a, a word of a different language and made it an English word because there wasn't an English word that meant the same thing. It just means 10%. 10%. What does the word tithe mean? It means 10%. What does it mean in the Hebrew? 10%. <laughs> 10% of all, that you, all of your increase, all the money you make, anything you earn, 10%. <clears throat> 10% of what? What you make. But he says tithes and offerings. Offerings are those things above and beyond. And If you read the Old Testament, there was many, many offerings that were required and many that were optional. And offerings would be like our Japan uh, mission trip where we were asking you to finance that or giving to alms. You, you guys are a generous church. We do, We give away Tens of thousands of dollars every year. Uh, and we give away about 20, over 20%. Every year that I've been a pastor, we've given in excess of 20% of the amount of money that comes in, we give out to other ministries. And we're a, we're a charity. We exist to the, you know, our purpose is actually to glorify God and, and to uh, communicate the gospel. But we believe in giving that we give away to other people that are doing that same thing. So you're a generous church. And this opens up the door for uh God to pour out an abundance that overflows, that we would receive more than we can contain. That we could be all sufficient and have more than enough. How many want to have more than enough? Well, this is how you get it. You trust God by giving the 10%. And one person says the 10%, uh, uh, you know, uh, uh, that. Uh, keeps the devourer from taking what you have, and the offerings above uh, gives increase. And people are challenged. I've heard this, and this is a great idea, you know. Tithe and, uh, make, figure out the tithe of the salary that you want. You know. <clears throat> and I heard just recently you know, someone say that. God's, God's, <laughs> someone in here told me this went to another church. And the pastor said uh, he'd be praying that God would uh, give you the salary of what you're tithing. So... Is that, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. He'll just take whatever you're giving and say, that's okay, that'll determine what your salary is. Uh, yeah, he doesn't do that. You know, well, maybe he might. I don't know. <laughs> the point is, do what God says, and he wants to pour out blessing. He wants you to overflow so you can pour out. Wow, look, something must have got in that. That didn't happen in the first service. Wow, let's see what happens. No, well, then it would explode. Oh, underneath? (laughs) It's warm. It's warm. It's warm. Yeah. Yeah, science experiment gone bad. Anybody want to drink? It ruined the cup. cup. Thank you, Jesus. That's a revelation. Sometimes what you let in your cup ruins your hand. A lot of people's cups have been ruined. All right, listen, he wants to fill us up with uh, uh, material blessing. He also wants to fill us up with joy. John 15:11 says, "These things I have spoken to you, that my joy may remain in you, and that your joy may be full." And the message says Jesus is telling his disciples that I've told you these things for a purpose, that my joy might be your joy, and your joy wholly mature. In the amplified, it says, "I have told you these things that my joy and delight may be in you, and that your joy and gladness may be a full measure and complete." and overflowing. How many want complete and overflowing joy? Yeah! And the idea is that my joy might be your joy. Or my joy, Jesus' joy, would remain in you. And and there's two ways to look at it. It means that, that Jesus would continue to be able to receive joy in our lives, but it can also be understood in a different way that in some mystical, spiritual way that Jesus actually takes His joy and injects it spiritually into us. And how many of you want to know that Jesus doesn't struggle to maintain an attitude of joy? Because He's conquered everything there is. Hell itself. And for the joy set before Him, He endured the cross, despising the shame. He got it. He's full of joy. Nothing can rob him of that joy. Yeah, and he wants to hey have some of my joy. Boom. Win all the time. Win. When? Whenever you present your cup, a vessel, without anything else obstructing it. Give me joy, Jesus. Vroom. First Peter and 9 says, Whom we have not seen you love, though you do not see Him, yet believing, you rejoice. I like this. It literally means jump for joy. You jump for joy with joy inexpressible and full of glory. <laughs> it's repeat, repeated. Different word. You jump for joy with joy inexpressible and full of glory. So much joy, you can't even explain it. It's like, this this joy in me. <laughs> it's a joy, 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 joy. You know? And there's a truth to that. <clears throat> All right, and that it may be mature. You know that there's a seasonness. It doesn't mean you're always jumping around, but there's a complete, there's a mature, there's a strong joy, a joy that's been through seasons, and and that you believe it. You know, uh, this is a prayer, um, or this this is Jesus uh, instructing his disciples. And there is a condition, just like we need to clean out our vessels, and and with the tithe we need to give in order to receive. In John fifteen nine and ten, the two verses before. Jesus said, as the Father has loved Me, so I have loved you. Abide in My love. How do you stay filled with Jesus' joy? You live in His love. You live in the experience of His, His love and His affection. And if you keep My commandments, you will abide in My love. So you do what He tells you to do. You stay right with God. And then you'll be able to experience that joy inexpressible. Third thing is the fullness of God. This is very interesting. This is another thing that God wants. It's not a complete list, but it's a good list (laughs) that God wants to fill us with. Ephesians 3.19 That you would know the love of Christ, which passes knowledge, that you may be filled with all the fullness of God. And the word filled there means replete. It means to cram. It can actually be translated, to be crammed full <laughs> of the fullness of God. You know, and the Amplified, this is where they take a little sentence, and made it really big, listen to this, Amplified, Ephesians 3.19, that you may really come to know practically through experience for yourself the love of Christ, which far surpasses mere knowledge without experience, that you may be filled through all your being until the fullness of God may have the richest measure of the, the divine presence and become a body wholly filled and flooded with God Himself. How many want that? How many want your bodies to be wholly filled and flooded? Stand up if you want that right now. Stand up and say, say, Jesus! I want my body to be wholly filled... And flooded with God Himself, and I receive this by faith, I this by in, faith. Jesus name. in Jesus' name. Amen. Name. Be seated. Glory. That's what God wants. He wants you to be filled up and flooded. Win all the time. I was thinking about this. I, I forget when it was, but I was thinking. You know, I remember studying physiology, and there's this stuff called interstitial fluid. How many know what that is? That's the that's the fluid that's in between your cells. And then there's intercellular fluid. That's all the stuff that fills all your cells. So in between all your cells there's this juicy stuff that makes you wet inside. Alright? I want that to be the river of God. I don't want to be that full. I want Lord fill all my interstitial whatever fluid. I want it to be God fluid. Really? Every like do you want any cells left un washed with God's fullness. And what got me about this verse is that Jesus. Uh, the Bible says in Ephesians 3.17 that Christ may dwell in your heart. Oh, wait, wrong on Colossians 2.9 For in Jesus dwells the fullness of the Godhead bodily. We all know that, good theologians. In Jesus dwells the fullness of the Godhead bodily. That is one of the unique things about Jesus Christ is that in Him bodily was the fullness of the Godhead. He was fully God, fully man. But here... In Ephesians, it says that you may be filled with all the fullness of God, or that our bodies would be filled with the fullness of God. Well, that, I thought that was unique to Christ. Well, it is unique to Christ and that He is uniquely God the Son. But in Him, we're made complete. So in Him, we experience the same fullness. What this means is that we are to be as full of God as Jesus was and is. Full, your body. Full of His power, of His purity, of His majesty, of His goodness, of His kindness, of His love, of His truth. That's how full the Scripture calls us to be. By presenting our bodies as vessels that He fills. Alright? And this is a prayer. The only only real requirement in order to make this happen is that you believe it and you present yourself. And you, you keep your vessel clean so that He can fill you up. It's received by faith. Uh, the last thing is knowledge and wisdom. Colossians 1.9 It says, For this reason also, since the day we heard it, do not cease to pray and ask that you be filled with the knowledge of His will in all wisdom and spiritual understanding. What does that mean? Let me read it. Same idea in Ephesians chapter 1.17-19. 1, Ephesians 1.17 That the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give to you give you it's a gift the spirit of wisdom and revelation and the knowledge of him the eyes of your understanding be enlightened we were singing a song let me see let me see i had my eyes open i was like god i want to see something you know that's what it means it's the eyes of your understanding is understanding in a in an intellectual way but also a spiritual way And sometimes it is in a physical way. Like the prophet whose eyes were opened and he saw all the angels. How many want to see angels? Okay, you need to believe this. You need to be filled, full. And God wants you to experience that too. That you may know, experientially understand, what is the hope of His calling? What are the riches of the glory of the inheritance in the saints? And what is the exceeding greatness of His power toward us? Exceeding greatness of His power toward us who believe according to the working of His mighty power. That's... That's not just Paul's prayer. That's God's desire for you and I. And all we have to do is present ourselves, get rid of the stuff that poisons, that harms, that, 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 that damages or dilutes, and allow God to fill us with all of these things, with, with material blessings, with His joy, with the fullness of the Godhead in us all the time. And learn how to, how to become aware of that and walk into that in a way that communicates Christ-likeness. That's what it means to be full of God. To be like Christ. To live a Christ-like life. And to be filled with knowledge and wisdom. And what that looks like is that you know what to do when you need to do it. You're not, you don't, you're not in the place where you don't understand. that there's a, you, you have all of the wisdom, all of the knowledge that you need whenever you need it. Not because you read it in some book, although learning things through books is one way that God uses, but because He is in you and equipping you to do that. Jesus' name, Amen.